Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Pod fading is defined as to stop podcasting all of a sudden without notice. So sorry about that. But we're back with what I believe Webster defines as a real humdinger. We are beginning the story of Bacardi. Do you think you know about this staple of liquor store shelves? I'm willing to bet that you don't. So relax as we begin to peel back the layers of this tale and maybe have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Really waiting on one of us to actually mess that up. Mm, fair enough. Just just as a bit, but yeah. I'm How's everybody me. been? Uh, it's been a uh, checks calendar. A long, uh, long time. time. <laughs> so I don't actually even know. If it says anything about the passage of time for this. I ordered this shirt before the last episode. It just right, came prime. in came in yesterday. Oh. We've been waiting before we can come back. Well, I mean, prime shipping. That means we, we're very quick. Yeah. I had uh, I had ordered it for the Disney trip. Uh, it comes in two months late. <laughs> mm. Thank you, Park Candy. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry about not doing anything for a while, but it's been hectic. Yeah, life has been weird. <laughs> life moved pretty fast, and uh, we didn't actually even have time to look around for a while. Well, we looked around a little at Disney, so yeah, that was fun. Well, have some a, people we have, look around for a while. Haven't we had a show Disney? since Disney? Nope. No. No, we had, a, we had a, we talked to each other, and that's about it. <laughs> so yes. I'm going to... Uh, as we departed from that last episode, I said, hey, we may not even ever come back. Just brace yourself. <laughs> they so. they were dead. They were all dead. This is this is a very AI has come a long way. And I <laughs> and I have been reconstructing uh, reconstructing all of them from previous episodes. So uh, this is this is my own sad oh. way of uh, uh, getting through life now. In reality, it's though, like. That give no, that, I mean, like, in reality, that's months. what's happening right now because just it's it's it seems more realistic at this point that I have just made AI versions of you guys to hang out with me for the rest of time. They're pretty close on that. <laughs> oh man, so, now I need to find oh, poop. The the AI translating into other languages. How did you know that I was? Be, yeah, because it's almost like he spends a lot of time with you. 
It's almost like we're a hive mind. <laughs> this has been a complaint among people not among the hive mind recently. Right, Casey? It's true. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, even remember if we've like talked about it. It was the thing where like you it it takes your recording and like fairly seamlessly tr- like makes it sound like you're saying it in a different language. Hmm. Like it did it to Scott and Brian on TMS, and it was like, oh, it sounds like it's them, but talking in I'm, German. I'm half a month behind on TMS at all times. But oh, I yeah. Anyway, real, let's let's go ahead and we, we're we're doing a little rambling as we're trying to like knock the dust off. How was Disney, guys? Uh, all right, how do we want to handle this, uh, Bob? Do you how how preface? was it traveling with three four year olds? Do you want us to dive into this? <laughs> Uh, can of worms first, or do you want to preface with what you've been up to before the three of us just take this over? Uh, I, have, I don't know what I've been up to anymore, man. <laughs> what are you, I don't even know what you're trying to get at. <laughs> just go ahead and go through your Disney thing, and we can skip me. The, the most I've done is I've, I've made a trip out to St. Louis. That's a me thing. It, we saw you was... at the zoo. <laughs> Oh, yeah. we, okay. Yes, we did see them at the zoo, but that's that's fine. Let's let's do the Disney thing, and then if, <laughs> if other stuff comes up, it comes up. Okay, but we can't like spend the entire time talking about Disney because we can't. Yeah. So I mean, I can. I don't know what you all are. I I know that's that. This is why I'm giving the warning. And Fuck we'll us. see you next episode for <laughs> the actual episode. <laughs> have a Disney, but not have a drink well, at Disney because that's just expensive. It, <laughs> I was gonna say have a Disney. Well, it's been a good show, guys. I'll see uh, <laughs> see you later. You say so, that now, but sometime we are the, going to get you there. The initial idea floated for a long time was that we were going to record little bits of things for the show while we were there. Turns out when you take, it doesn't matter how many people are there to help corral them. When you have three, four-year-olds, you ain't doing shit. <laughs> they are the planners of this trip. They don't I'll, give a fuck what you've planned to do. <laughs> all I'm wondering is how much, how much easier would the trip have been? Had there been an Uncle Bob for three children to like tucker themselves out on it every so often, it wouldn't. I don't think. I'm Casey knows I'm I'm good with those. I'm good with his twins. Uh, you just let you just let Uncle Bob handle it, and <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, Ashley probably would have had a bit a bit better of a time. But that's what I'm saying. It would have it would have at least decreased the level of stress just just a smidge. I say that, but like. I don't know. Archer, no, it was great. Uh, one of the, the children was not having anybody but Ashley. So let's, <laughs> if we flash to the zoo and our child was just like grabbed Uncle Bob's hand and was just like looking at us like, I don't know you people, stranger danger. <laughs> She's like walking <laughs> off. That was the, okay. The flashing forward to zoo trip was fun. Uh, but what was great was when Emmett who was very shy immediately upon seeing us because he was kind of like, hmm, I don't remember these people, and I brought a new person. Half an hour later, grabbing both of our hands, going, come on, let me show you things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I went, mm-hmm. Well, you also told him, stay with Uncle Bob, and he listened. He stayed with me the rest of the night, yeah, and I was, was like... And surgically I was like, attached, yes. And I was like, that's cool. This is my new little buddy. <laughs> I, I and and really, I'd only said it like once or twice when we were trying to get through the crowd, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's like, nah, I got this. I'm on it. He he heard. He focused. He did what he was told. 
did he do the same thing at Disney? I'm trying to get it back to yeah. Uh, there was a, he only had one real bad moment, and that was that he had. Uh, to be fair, he had prefaced he didn't want anything to do with the fireworks. Uh, he does not do loud. That's and fa- I mean, at, at his age, I I did not either. They were really loud. To be fair, though, they're like they were off. like crazy loud, yeah. shooting them over your head. Like it's going off directly above you. Like yeah. there's no, oh, this when is I, actually happening like a mile or two away. It's like no, it's right here, point blank. There's okay. I might be imagining things. Disney has like a does. Does it have like an Eiffel Tower esque thing or like a high spot you can watch fireworks um, from? Uh, or man, I'm thinking like maybe Kings Island or something. Big Thunder Mountain, if you time it right. Yeah, they don't. They don't have like that specific one structure spot. But like, there's there's good spots where you can like it's actually the, it's the hub grass reserve. Where yeah. people... I just remember like at their 25th anniversary when I was down there as a child, there was somewhere up high, and we were watching fireworks late the train at night. station. Yeah, the maybe train station. I don't know, man. I was 10, and I was coming down off the most horrific experience of my life. Is <laughs> they plus it also depends date. on which park you're in, and yeah, it's. Oh, I knew which park I was in. We only stayed in the Magic Kingdom. Stitch's Great Escape. So our child was... I I wish it was Stitch's Great Escape. No, it was the greatest greatest attraction ever built at Disney. And it was, look, we kind of say that jokingly, but it was Disney took a real weird... Real big risk with when they did uh, the alien encounter. Okay, this is not defunct land. Like it's not defunct land. We can't get into this, but I will say, were I going there now, I would be all in. Ten years old is the wrong time to go to that. Anyway, you're all's Disney trip. I am sorry. Fine. Focus. (laughs) It's not even Kath. It's just her. Yeah, Jonesy's like sitting on the couch, looking over here, going, "Man." Don't know what the fuck she's all about. Almost caught her. Anyway, um, our child was surprisingly well behaved for most of the trip. But him and Frank could not separate themselves. Like, they were were all he cared about. They were walking around, like, holding hands, had to sit next to each other. They were jumping off of every ride, going, That was awesome! I thought the last time I saw you all, well, one of the last times I saw you all like together, Emmett had had his birthday, and there was about thirty minutes where Emmett didn't know what to make of of Casey's children, hmm. and then suddenly the iPad comes out, and then they are just all, well, these are my new best friends. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the yeah. iPad is the great uh, equalizer. It kind of happened Someday. at Disney as well. I assumed. <laughs> This is how it began. So, but yeah, I mean they they all got along pretty great, actually. I think um, the 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 great plan yeah. of the the unified children friend group continues. Pretty, uh, pretty much, yeah. Emma um, just keeps asking, "Can we go back to? Can we go back to the hotel with Frank, Frank and Zella?" And Frank and Zella, and I'm like, "Man, I wish." Can every other day he's like. Insert activity with Frank and Zella. I'm like, I, <laughs> can we can we go ahead and just start arranging the marriage now for either of Casey's children? I don't know. He's we've got a birthday party on Sunday with who I would almost say is his little girlfriend up here. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 
I mean, he's going to be at a new school next year. <laughs> this chick has too much money. So. <laughs> not I get even that. About this life. I get that. Can't keep Look, up with those Joneses. I mean, you say bananas. that, but sometimes your preschool friends become lifelong friends. Yeah, but they're. <laughs> or people you just went to preschool with, because I have no memory of any of those times, yeah. Casey. They... You just forgot it. They all live over in Villa Hills, and we're in Port Thomas. I mean, right? See, so Villa Hills is like a new money community, whereas Fort Thomas, petite bourgeois. Fort Thomas is an old money community. Mm. Look, y'all, that we are we aren't part of the money side of it. (laughs) Right, we're not in any of yeah. Yeah, it's just say like they're like oh they're Fort Thomas they think they're better than us and then we're over here like we're fucking poor. We live in a tiny condo. I don't know what you what you think. What is funny is this is shockingly similar to conversations me and dad had about uh uh back home where it is uh Martin or you know any of the hollers nearby and Paintsville where they went, Oh mm. fancy up there in Paintsville, aren't they? With their independent school district and blah. Uh-huh. Mm. They think they're better than us. I mean we thought that uh, and they were it's like I went you to the thought county you were better than us no like I went to the county school and right and rather than yeah uh, uh, it was funny problems. though when I when I had that conversation because it was just like I don't know I've been up there and it just feels like everyone thinks they're better than me and dad goes yeah no I've always thought that about paint school I was like oh it's generational okay <laughs> they just are anyway how did we go how did we get yeah, here we can take this everywhere so Old Disney money. Um, Disney Disney, Disney. It was at birthday parties. Is how so it was amazing that where we stayed uh, twenty yards away from the entrance to Epcot. That was sick. Actually, Ooh. I'm gonna miss that. <laughs> I mean, one day I'll get to Epcot. And it was is... a, the when... greatest tragedy of the trip. Even though I tried to go two separate days, I did not get to ride the single greatest attraction <laughs> in Disney history. Uh, my my. My heart song, Living with the Land. Well, and Casey still didn't get to do this. I don't Nemo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that's the one. The that's my seas. first ride. I have no idea what on earth either of you are talking about. So Living with the Land is the boat ride where you go through a few uh, biome scenes of like, this is what farming's like here. These are what these environments are like. And then they take you, you ride through the like big the big Disney greenhouses and they show you how you know the different weird things they're doing like they grow the plants upside down or they grow certain plants on the top of the fish tanks so that the fish are actually fertilizing the plants and all this weird crap it was down okay. both times it's yeah it, it, we watched it break down the second <laughs> time which was the most upsetting like we were next in line and then, like, suddenly the radios start going off. They're like, hold on a second, guys. And I'm just like, oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because that was the very, like, closing of the park. Like, it was done. Like, that was going to be, we were already there after hours. It was the, you had to be staying in the deluxe resort to be there at that time. It was just like, no. <laughs> so, okay. Super quick. Like, I'm trying to do, like, a summary here. The yeah. resort was sick as hell, and I'm going to miss all of it. <laughs> I uh, already miss it, but I'm going to miss it on future Disney trips because that's not going to happen. We had a baby Ruth uh, in the pool on our pool day. 
but it's cool because we yeah. paid for the we, uh, we paid for the 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 one thing cabana the cabana so we just got to chill oh, in the cabana, cabana boy. did uh, uh bill murray come out and just go no it's good <laughs> no it's we, all right we did get to see him come out it's with like good. The, the big rubber gloves and the like you know 20 foot pole skimmer to fish it out okay you're not helping with my quick summary but that, those the are... pool is also sick as hell. It's part of the whole resort package. That it pool is, is only existent at that resort. It's if you a... drink from that pool, you'll get dysentery. <laughs> Probably. But anyway, the pool was great up until that point. Uh, well, even after they cleaned it, all the chemicals, blah, blah, blah. But it, it was in... all sand and, and everything. It was great. You got to scan into it like it's a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, It's nah. an exclusive pool. They're like, nah, but are you staying here? Uh, anyway, so resort was great. Um. Epcot was, it was awesome to be that close to Epcot because we literally could just walk over there and not oh. think about it. And then... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is one of my new favorite rides. Yes. It was the bee's knees. We rode kids. rides that we had never gotten to, like new rides basically for us because we hadn't been there in a uh, hundred years. And uh, Emmett loved every single ride. Uh, some of the some of them we got to ride twice actually, um, actually many of them we got to ride twice. Uh, we can't ever go to a theme park without the disability pass because mm-hmm. that's going to be a nightmare. Uh, and then what else? Um, oh, also being there during food and wine, pretty amazing because the the menu list at Epcot uh, on the World Showcase stuff, pretty great. Uh, the stuff at the Japan. Pavilion and something else uh, we got. Where, oh, my God. It was like a teriyaki bao bun. Oh, yeah. I forgot about oh, that. So good. And then they had spam sushi at the Hawaii booth. Oh, yeah. The Hawaii, the Hawaii one was, like, really good, too. Um, oh, yeah. And I had... Uh... Oh, and then the character breakfast at our resort. Once again, the resort. Amazing. By the way, the character breakfast. I was following some of your all's adventures through Facebook posts. And Chris had just... Showed a picture of him having coffee by himself uh, one morning and went, this silence is the best part of the trip. And I went, the kids are somewhere else right now. Because I stayed behind to uh, sign the sign the bills. And <laughs> when she came to get it, she saw me sitting there and I grabbed Brittany's half-drink mimosa, slid it over to me. There was still coffee hot in the pot. I poured me some coffee. And when she came, she saw me sitting there enjoying this. And when she came back, she goes, I'll take my time. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave her the little nod in the glass rays. And she went, that is a father of, of, of a small child who needs, needs a moment. But yeah. Uh, so we were staying at uh beach club for anyone mm-hmm. who's, you know, curious. It was amazing. Probably not so much for the kids, but... Well, I mean, I think they liked the... Um, the beach and the club. Well, well, the, the like, Murphy bed thing in... Because yeah. the kids really loved that. Um, I, I would have loved the Murphy bed. It was so... It was kind of great. It was so beachy and so clubby and so New, new England-y. We'll never get to stay there again. Because it's <laughs> looking back and going, oh, yeah, we saved up for, like, three years to stay there. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it was pretty worth it, though. Uh, so again, with a quick summarizing, what what else was there? Run through it. Go fast. 
So got... you say the tragedy was that we didn't get to ride those rides, yes. but I'll say the tragedy was my stomach. I was going to um, say, did we want to bring this bathroom <laughs> during this whole incident? I had uh, Casey did tell me about the nightmare scenario of, but you've learned Team Rocket what not blasting to off again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the excess of uh, of artificial sweeteners. Along comboed with a uh, new medication that I was taking, created this perfect storm, um, a shit storm, if you will, <laughs> uh, which basically meant that even though my butt cheeks were sealed around the toilet, it still shot out the seams of the toilet. <laughs> oh, God. Well, because toilet seats sit above a toilet. They do, and they have a small quarter inch gap. <laughs> That is horrible for an air gap. <laughs> and that, and that, that quarter-inch gap is what would lead to the attempted suicide of many a housekeeper. <laughs> oh, those poor people. Oh, yes, God. after about 40 hours, 48 hours of suffering, I was able to, to get back into a somewhat enjoyable moment in Disney. We did, yeah, so important, uh, we're getting old lessons on the Disney trip. Don't ever do uh, anything. Cocaine. Uh, Pepto-Bismol, Dramamine, and uh, Liquid IV. Imodium. Oh, and Imodium. Imodium is an actual thing. Pepto-Bismol doesn't do as much good as you'd think. And uh, uh, what was the first one? Uh, Dramamine. Dramamine. No, there was one before Dramamine. I mean, she said Dramamine and Liquid and... IV. Yeah, Liquid IV, maybe. Okay. Anyway, Dramamine's never in. been an been an issue for me. But listen, you play you play all your cards. Yeah. In those mm-hmm. situations, mm-hmm. but preferably not the Dramamine with the. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the direction to go. Mm, fair. Dramamine does does remind me of a thing, but we'll. We'll the liquid IV was very, it was the first time we're like really using that, like in the manner in aren't, which it Aren't all IVs liquid IVs? It's a saline solution they put into your IV. And okay, one, else. I wish that I could actually have that on oh. regular. Like, <laughs> so no. That, that, look, were, we, were, were any of us in the medical profession, I feel like this podcast would come with us drinking and having an IV going, no, hydrate. <laughs> so th- this leads me that we're let's rewind it to the very beginning of our story when we first get to Disney. And this is going to be not a quick summation. This is like literally yeah, we've we, all, it's it's all downhill now. Sorry guys. We're I, we're going to flip it back, turn it and reverse it. Yes. So I'd been up for like 28 hours by the and driven the whole way because Brittany was supposed to help drive, but then after trying to drive for 15 minutes discovered she starts falling asleep behind the wheel immediately even though she's had like a full night's rest and all this stuff and as soon as i start to nod off in the passenger seat i feel the rumble strips and everything she's like i'm sorry i just can't i just can't i just can't i could i literally could not keep my eyes open so i'm like cool i don't get to sleep because also that night because we were going to drive through the night because the plan was at dawn she takes over and then i get to sleep for a few hours in the last bit of the trip because she can't drive at night Apparently she can't drive a day either. Just so, at all. Yeah. Which is we're taking into account next time. Mm. So I'm like, 
pull over. I'm driving the rest of the way. And we're going to the Halloween party that night. So I'm like, cool. We're going to get there a little earlier than we planned. Hopefully we can get checked in and I can go take a nap. Nope. Negative. <laughs> we get there early and they leave us sitting in the lobby for like four hours <laughs> waiting on a room to get cleaned. I'm just like, it's great. <laughs> it's just great. I'm sorry. And so uh, then we, we start to play a game of how much caffeine till Chris's heart stops. <laughs> it's a fun game. Because we get to the Halloween party and it's... It well, it was like seriously ninety seven degrees with a thousand percent humidity. Because <laughs> Florida, yeah, because Florida. Yeah. It doesn't and matter when you're there. Just sweating to death. And I was like, it's September. This is horse shit. <laughs> Could have and, been true to your heart and been ninety eight degrees. <laughs> so the first thing uh, that happens is the things I can never do. So the kids are like, they want to do the mad teacups, and we're like, cool. Uh, me and Casey are like, we're gonna go over here to the coffee stand. And I'm getting a cold brew coffee. <laughs> Do you guys have uh, my dad's problem of uh, spinning is bad? Spinning's very mm-hmm. bad. We I don't do circles. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so get a cold brew coffee. Immediately after downing that, uh, Casey's like, hey, <laughs> almost like it's an illegal drug. I got this. <laughs> he like smacks it on his hand. And it's like the pack of liquid IV type stuff. Only it's the opposite. <laughs> this is like the, the liquid dehydrator. it's like this is like 300 milligrams of solid caffeine do you want to pour this on top of that i'm like yeah i do i'm like because the second i stop moving or if my heart takes a a half a beat i'm just gonna fall over so we just pump me full as much caffeine as we can and hope i make it i'm surprised you weren't like because like most of the nights we were there Emmett was so done, we had to just put him in, because we were in the room of of the two-bedroom villa. We were in the room with the two actual two beds, which worked out because Emmett was, like, so out of it. Like, he, you could not wake him up. We just placed him in the bed, took his shoes off. Stripped him and threw him in there and... Just went with it. And he just was done. (laughs) So, I'm really surprised Chris wasn't the same at the same time. No, because the moment I stopped moving, that was it. <laughs> I I got it. Like, it's the first night I slept in the bed with him because I, that's where I was when I stopped moving. <laughs> I've had those nights where, where momentum is the only thing keeping you going. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we rode the caffeine train that first night because I was an idiot. <laughs> it was like, that oh, yeah, train. we can we can drive through the night and go to like a... You know, till 1 a.m. Halloween party that same night. We can do this when it's going to be like almost 100 degrees and 100% humidity in Florida. We've got this. Chris, at our age, that train has no brakes. It just derails off a cliff. Mm-hmm. It's as if it's run by Amtrak. Uh, yeah. And so all right, I, I just had to go back and tell that, you know, I don't know why I thought that was. <laughs> the way things should go, but it's how but, they went. Yeah. Casey, do you have anything else to add about Disney? Because I feel like otherwise we're going to go both for no. another hour. Okay. Yeah, I, we're good. Um, we had, we got to ride uh, keep going on. Okay. Tron Light Cycle Run and get, uh, we got to do it twice. Broken ribs. Um, well, yeah. she, she stressed a rib. She thought she broke a rib. It, it, does she it matter? She went to the doctor it and felt he's like, like it did. he's like, 
it's not, or no, she contacted them. And the doctor got back and was like, I looked up the ride and he's like, you probably just stressed. He did not look up the ride. I did not tell him what the ride was. He's like, well, on roller coasters, blah, blah, Mm. blah. And I wanted to be like, "Mm, this is not a typical roller coaster, sir, but I didn't get in there (laughs) Uh, because my rib hurt for three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Fun ride. We also we captured the best on ride photo that's ever been taken. No one will probably ever get to see it, but we captured it. it. We have a video of it even because Disney's great like that. I was gonna say that. Okay, that's the other best thing about the trip is that we we opted because you know we're spending all the money we've saved at this point for eternity. Uh, So we opted in for the photo pass on our tickets. Which also worked out really well, considering we yeah. were, like, were Casey and and it's everyone and we're group. all together. Yeah, like it. That, they that, got to yeah. see the the pictures too and could download. Like everything was all the same, which worked out really well. Um, but you not only get like the cast member to like pictures where they can get like the perfect spot or whatever reserved for like at, at any given park, and they can get pictures of you, but. You get ride pictures and special ride, I don't know, gifts, I suppose you could call it, or short videos. Oh, yeah, the Seven Horse Mine I believe it's pronounced GIF. No, he's wrong. But the Seven Um, Horse Mine Train where it's like they give you the videos of you on, and they like slow it down, and it's playing uh, Hi-Ho. Hi-Ho. Bless you. But that, yeah, that was pretty great. And um, them doing the, because they'll... Put little special effects in, like the Star so, Wars thing. Was yeah, cool. they tell you, they're like, "All right, no, it, you know, make a make muscles," and then they edit Chopper in doing his little Chopper. I I murder people. Mm-hmm. Like ah, I've committed war crimes. Ooh, has everyone seen Ahsoka yet? Yes. No. Okay. Yes. For once, I have seen something Casey has not. <laughs> it's not Ted Lasso, but. Have you finished Andor? Look, you're not my dad. <laughs> it's the best Star Wars that's I ever know, existed. I know, it was very good, and I need to get back to it. I have been very busy with other things. Yeah. You're going to, like, by the end of it, you're going to flip a table and be burning things down. <laughs> Probably. <sighs> okay. Okay, uh, right. anything else to finish off Disney? No. Uh, got to ride Rise of Resistance. It was the most amazing attraction in the history of attractions. Uh, it's okay. just like Disney way outdid themselves, and they right. they need to go back to that because Runaway Railway is the giant pile of horse shit. They took away the great movie ride where you could actually encounter xenomorphs. No, they took that away from me, and it's just screens. Go fuck yourself, Disney. Okay. Well, on that note, yeah. uh, I think we have a topic. Do we? Well, look, I will say this. In the immortal words of George Thorogood, uh, we're going to get high, man, going to get loose, going to get a triple shot of that juice. Tonight, that juice is... Fear not veteran! Seeking bastards! Fear not veteran! Fear not veteran! Fear not veteran! Again, Bacardi. Uh, and again, it, well, also, if you thought Mondavi was dramatic. Dun, dun, dun. That's been a minute, hasn't it? Oh, man. Episodes. I just want. Still no movie mad... yet. 
I want to see that Mad Men esque series of Mandavi where like mm. the old mother spits in her son's face. Is who owns the rights to this? Because I I'm... feel like we may need to step in. How is there not? I really was expecting Netflix or Amazon. You know. Anyway. Well, uh, while Bacardi uh, Bacardi Rum is centered in Cuba or Cuba, uh, the story starts. For 4,000 miles away in Stigis, Spain? I don't know how to say that. Uh, Mediterranean. Hmm? <laughs> no, I was in Stieglitz. <laughs> no, not Stieglitz. There's no L's there. Or, or Y's. Uh, Mediterranean seaport in the north country, just south of Barcelona. Mm. Barcelona, uh, Napoleon's invasion and overtaking of Spain in the early 1800s destabilized the country. Oh, <laughs> you don't say. The 1800s, Napoleon destabilized the country? Oh. Huh. I don't think that happened anywhere else in Europe. Couldn't have been. Or the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, I really want to see that movie. I, I, I kind of do. I just haven't taken the time to... I can't get anyone else that's going to be willing to watch a movie with me about Napoleon. That's a Ridley Scott, like, <laughs> nine-hour. A nine-hour, like, epic of just, like, emotional proportions. Yeah. No. The, the people I would go to watch a movie with now are like, I'm bored. But but the history, I don't care. Fair. Anyway, the economy was suffering, and a 16-year-old... Uh, I'm going to go with Facundo. Facundo? Okay. Okay. Facundo Bacardi Maso saw his own promised land across the water. Bacardi left Spain, his mother, and illiterate bricklayer father for one of the only two remaining Spanish colonies in in the Americas. Cuba. In uh, in 1830. Uh, following on his uh, his older brother's footsteps. It gets less dramatic when you realize his older brother was already there. Mm. Uh, when he arrived in Cuba, he found his brother's general store in Santiago. But he had his aims set higher. He met and married a prominent French-Haitian woman named Lu- uh, Lucia Amelia Victoria Moreau. Uh, Amelia's family had money, and with their help, he was able to open his own general store just a few months after their marriage. I like to imagine directly across the street from his brothers. Mm. There was a giant middle finger on the sign. (laughs) The couple had four children, and they opened more stores in the region. Uh, I imagine on the other four directions of his of his brother's store, (laughs) next to uh, on the left, right, and behind. Took the Starbucks approach. <laughs> Just no, no, no. Screw this one store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he provided extra services to those who shopped at the store, running outside to ladies coming by and selling cart sides. So they wouldn't have to get their shoes dirty. He imported Spanish wines and hams. He was the original purveyor of ham and buble. <laughs> So no, saying he was doing it cart side. That was him running across the street to steal his brother's business. 
before they could even get out of the cart. <laughs> hey, Romano, you got uh, you got this? Oh, thank you. Let me grab this for you. Oh, here's literally buying it and then selling it at a profit to the other person by giving it to them. The... Like, uh, I don't know, some some food delivery services out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He called these general stores uh, Uber. <laughs> they started delivering food. He called them Uber Eats. Uh, when he delivered the ham, it was Uber Meats. Uber Meats. Uh, on August 20th, 1852, a series of earthquakes, the largest being uh, 7.0 magnitude, struck Santiago, devastating the city. Honestly, yeah, it, it was real messed up. You can see, like, historical records that they talk about, like, what happened during that, and, like, <laughs> the the way the 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 water changed it was it, the the caribbean had not experienced tsunamis it got weird for a while <laughs> uh devastating the city while only two were killed from the earthquake itself the cholera epidemic that arose from the devastation disturbed and disturbed water sources attacked the population of santiago with appalling intensity yeah. In fairness, in in Cuba, it's not it's not the dangerous thing that kills you, it's disease that kills you. So yeah, the same thing happened with the Haiti disasters. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the earthquakes leveled the country and then oh there's no drinking water and then everyone starts finding what water they can. Oh, it's all just completely infested with cholera. Yeah. Uh, the uh, 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 the UN's just sitting back with their hands up, going, "It's came over, man." Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, oh, it, it was uh, uh uh. There was a thing I was listening to, and they were talking about uh, uh the Spanish American. Uh, no, yeah, Spanish American War, and uh, how if. Russia can be said to have general winter. The Caribbean can be said to have general disease. <laughs> oh my and God. Cholera and malaria and yellow fever are the... If only they could weaponize it the way Russia weaponized winter. <laughs> they wear I mean... it as a seasonal armor. You can't really do that with disease. It's true. Uh, can deal with hurricanes though. Yeah, very difficult to navally invade <laughs> during a hurricane. Uh, the falls just completely off limits for an invasion. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, Facundo op- uh, closed up his shops to help serve the public in humanitarian efforts, but his own family suffered from the epidemic when uh, Facundo's six-year-old son Juan and his, uh and year-old daughter, Maria, were claimed by the disease. Welcome to why uh, death death statistics and uh, life expectancies were so absolutely horrendous in the past. The past. It was the worst. (laughs) It was the worst of times. It was the very worst of times. Yeah. 
he and his wife took a boat back to back to Catalonia, Spain, to, to stay with Facundo's parents. But upon returning a few months later, he found his general stores ransacked and looted. Huh. Darndest thing, that. Uh, Facundo tried to rebuild uh, buying new product for the store and starting over, but his suppliers needed uh, needed paid, and a tenth of Santiago's population was dead. He was unable to recover. In 1855, he closed up his shop. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to hit the mute in time to not sneeze. Just put a little pause here. Okay. Uh, it was at this time that Facundo turned to the booze. Maybe not in the typical way. I was about to say, yeah, when you're <laughs> down on the luck. Uh, well, one major factor during uh, in closing Facundo stores was a slump in sugar sales, devastating local economies. I mean, in fairness, if sugar's not selling in, in the Caribbean, you're hosed. Yeah, but it's also like, like all you had to say was that and it's like well on this show an abundance of sugar that can only mean one thing rum 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 mm, we can feed that to some yeast or cachaza uh where was that at uh during this time the production of sugar in cuba began a steep ramp up over a 50-year period in the mid-1800s, Cuba increased its sugar production over 20 times, almost exclusively fueled on the backs of slave labor. Again, Caribbean. Uh, other Caribbean islands were seeing the abolition of slavery. Mm, yeah, yeah, this is, this is around the time you'll start seeing that, but not, not all of them. Uh, um, while at the same time, Spain and therefore Cuba saw an influx of slave labor. What were you about to say, Chris? I was going to say, not nearly as much as anyone's going to boast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Haiti was still having yeah. a bad time. Yeah. Uh, nearly uh, half of uh, Cuba's population would be made up of African slaves brought in, uh, slaves brought in to work in such, uh, such as the uh, sugarcane production and by the end of the century, Cuba held 15% of the world's market of sugar production, uh, which <laughs> the, the horrific conditions for making sugar in a plantation mm. uh, are uh, awfully uh, terrible and horrifying. It did lead to, uh, I was talking with, uh, I was mentioning to one of our friends uh, on Facebook today how the Jamaican accent makes a lot more sense after you start listening to a Jamaican person speak and then you listen to an Irish person speak. Yeah. Because the same time you have some of the, you know, the Spanish islands having this, England had Caribbean islands, France had Caribbean islands. The language areas in there are very interesting. It gets really muddled. Also, this is the, the, the golden age of piracy. So these are all the things we tend to think about rather than the horrific slave conditions. And then you get to watch it happen in a more almost modern uh, take when you watch it happen in, around New Guinea and you see like the pigeon languages take off, which are these amalgamations. Yeah. 
Papua. Well, uh, Facundo saw the sugar boom, uh, and while everyone else was starting to work, uh, was working to start in that industry, he knew that there was an opening in the market for premium Cuban rum. Why work at the start of the of the production line when you can work at the end <laughs> of the production line? Uh, produced uh, produced with the waste product of uh, sugar production. And Cuba had previously been under the mandate of Spain not to produce rum. Uh, I Okay, sorry. There was a comma and then a, a capital letter, and I was confused. Did I did I did I miss a, a word? But anyway, they would uh, rather the island colony buy their booze from Spain in the form of wine. But Spain eventually relented, and new rum distilleries started popping up. Uh, many of them making low quality spirits, following a series of booklets produced by Spain on the processes. Uh, yeah, that I mean that that kind of tracks. They're just like colonialism, mercantilism, really. Uh, at that period is very much no 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 everything you do either we you sell uh, we sell to you or you bring back to us to sell this is a one-way street in terms of trade you don't make your own things we make your things and you make the things that we also own (laughs) yeah pretty much (sighs) sorry i'm getting very Look, I'm in the history section. Let me let me have my fun. It's all history. It is all history. We don't even get out of the 1800s today. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's awful bougie in here today. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I, I Chris, I think I'm about to lose control. Do you like I, it? I think I like it. Yeah, you do. Uh... Facundo wanted to do a better process than these other producers, however, and in 1860, this is three years before the Civil War, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, if you're looking for that context. (laughs) He borrowed his friends Albic. Oh, God, an Albic. Uh, Albic still, and began experimenting to make his own spirit. Picturing Doc Brown at this moment for whatever reason, or is that just me? I was picturing, uh, uh, what's his name with Malort? Jepsum? Yeah, Jepsum. <laughs> no, like he wasn't is... going door-to-door with a briefcase full of poison. <laughs> yeah. Although, actually, if you're experimenting, maybe you are. Yeah. How do you think? No, he didn't just pop out and go, I made this bomb-ass rum. <laughs> <laughs> he made some straight crap for a few years. That is true. Uh uh, this was all happening at the same time as Louis Pasteur was discovering the specific organisms that were responsible for fermentation of beer, while also determining that some contaminants would spoil it. Yeah, that's also true. Hmm. The 1860s were a wild time. <laughs> <laughs> this this does make me think of the Trotsky quote, which is, uh, uh, there are uh, centuries where, you know, little happens and there are decades where centuries happen. Yeah. And that's, that's a good quote. You're you're living through it right there. Um I always go back to whatever the hell the Sinbad movie is, not the one that doesn't exist. But the one where he's uh like becoming a cowboy. 
and they're in the old west and it's, oh god i can't think of the name of that but I, I can picture it but there's a a you hear someone they're in a saloon and then some uh salesman shows up with a toothbrush and then in the background someone's passively talking about this crazy man louis pasteur and his new <laughs> process and you stop and you're like man all that shit did happen <laughs> like right at the same time it at the same time that someone has put a th- thing that it's all it's like at the same point in history, you could have a samurai, a cowboy, uh, uh, an English gentleman, uh, sort of like Sherlock Holmesian kind of character, and uh, there was another one. I can't remember what they were, but it's like literally when you stop and look at the time frame, you're like, in one lifespan, you can have all of these things happening. And pirates. Pirates. That's the other one, I think. You could have cowboys and aliens. You can. And that movie delivered exactly what it promised. <laughs> I don't understand what everyone was upset about. You had cowboys you had cowboy and aliens and Olivia Wilde. Yeah, but she wasn't really an important part of it. It kind of I, was. Eye candy. Uh, if even that. I mean, I was there for Harrison Ford and dreamy blue eyes being cowboys okay. and being all chiseled and sweaty and... Anyway, Facundo used this knowledge uh, and incorporated the isolated strain of cognac yeast into his fermentation process. Interesting. Cognac yeast to make rum. He brought a higher level of quality to the beverage, uh, to a beverage rum that had traditionally been seen as the rot gut of, or a buccaneer's drink. Again, the rum ration. It's what pirates drink and the British Navy. Wow. Oh, the rum uh, barrel. It's it's like a it's like it's a, what you it's what you age your admirals in. <laughs> it's band-aided together from the inside. <laughs> it was again, we we've discussed this before, but someone was talking to me like, oh god, like a rum barrel aged this, and I went, I mean, in fairness, if you're drinking a rum barrel aged beer, that barrel has been around the block. <laughs> you might want to check that barrel for STDs. Yeah, you don't really, that, that that fad died quick. Mm-hmm. If you can do it right, it's it's great. If you can't, it's infected. <laughs> You're gonna get gunnacep for herpalades from from <laughs> <Yeah>. one sip. <laughs> uh oh, this is neat. Facundo charcoal filtered his spirit spirit and barrel aged it in charred white oak. Mm. My man. <laughs> He heard tale of what these hillbillies were doing in the New World. Casey, I didn't know Bacardi were from Kentucky. <laughs> See, <laughs> <laughs> this is like when we did the the uh, the Espelon episode, yeah, uh, for tequila, and we was like, God, why do we like Espelon so much? And we were reading through it, and they went, "We use fresh, single use, charred uh, oak barrel, white oak barrels," and we just went, "Oh." We are but simple bourbon folks. Because <laughs> they're just south of the border hillbillies. Okay, we understand each other. We we drink the same language. This is this is what we this is what our heart needs. They know. Uh, Facundo's brother had still had his general store. Apparently, he didn't put him out of business <laughs> and sold Facundo's liquor under the name Bacardi. Roll credits. <laughs> Well, no, when Facundo, you know, he lost his stores because, yeah, 
Well, no, so, no, the the uh, well, yeah, Facundo lost his stores, but his brother did not. Exactly, because his brother stayed home to manage the businesses. Facundo went out and lived. <laughs> Literally, Facundo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. had two. Oh, I was say Facundo had two more children in eighteen sixty-two, along with his friend Jose Leon Boutier. Wait, Boutillier. But yeah, no, Boutillier. But my question is, his friend also had children, or he had those children in addition to siring his friend. Along with his, he had two more children, and in 1862, along with his friend, okay, expanded expanded the business. He huh? needed to continue the sentence, otherwise it does start to sound like <laughs> <laughs> he and his male friend had children. It's like. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Thanks for a really different back then. Birching a a modest local distillery, able to produce 34 barrels a batch, and founded Bacardi, Boltelier, and Company. I wonder what happened with the other two. Uh, For around 3,500 pesos. I, okay, hold on. What is 3,500 pesos in today's money? Half a penny. Two dollars. Uh, oh, uh, well, okay, that's a Mexican pesos. Uh, fine, whatever. That is two hundred and one dollars and seventy-five cents in Mexican pesos today. Today, yeah, that'd have been even less. I'm just saying, Casey, for two hundred and one dollars, would you like to to start up Bacardi? <laughs> please. That's a lot of entertainment <laughs> for $5. Uh, they purchased another distillery on the same street and were able to produce all of the rum that they needed at the time. Which was all uh, the rum. <laughs> uh, they produced a lightly colored and low odor, odor spirit, more pure tasting than anything else on the market. And in the early day, uh, early months of the venture, he gave away free samples leading to lines in front of the distillery every morning to buy the spirit because the first taste, everyone, is free. So so no, they, they took a different approach than, uh, than Jepson did with the Malort. They didn't go around with a briefcase selling shady, shady liquor out of it. They just, Calling it medicine. They just gave it away for free at first and said, you come to us, first hit's free. <laughs> So if you do the conversion with Cuban pesos, Ooh, you're $145, which is in eight, <laughs> Oh, I'm eight, sorry. I gave them too much credit with Mexican pesos. And in 1860, that would be equivalent to about 52000 Or sorry, 5200 I really thought he was going to say 52 cents. I was going to fall on the floor <laughs> laughing. Might as well be at that point. I mean... Uh, to the credit, that was a bit of money, but it also wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It's that like, well, I mean, I guess that's a lot, but you could, you know, you could throw that together kind of quickly. I mean, I, I, over the years, may have spent that much money just on my home brewing equipment at some level. But you had like, I mean, your home, like, I mean, on these quotations here, your home Homebrew. Brew. Your homebrew setup was like more professional 
than some professional breweries. True. But I mean, like, I'm not getting 34 barrels a batch. <laughs> Casey, I, never mind. I think I know how you got to your math, and it is uh, close enough. So, yeah, just doing the 3,500 pesos to U.S. dollars. Yeah, and, and then, then to the inflation US calculator. U.S. dollars inflation calculator, yep. The inflation calculator does not go back that far, but yeah, close enough. Well, all right. Moving uh, right along. <laughs> After owning a general retail business in Cuba for many years, Facundo, I was honestly just waiting to get this letter. Uh, Facundo understood how to sell things and realized that his innovative rum would benefit from good branding. He began to sign each shipment of rum with a bold Bacardi M for Bacardi Meso. Or how, is that how we say Meso? Meso. Meso. an accent there. So you should accent. Meso. Obviously, we don't know. Uh, in I, yeah, addition. Don't know. I'm just. I'm, I'm learning Japanese right now, okay? In addition, his <laughs> wife. I think you're learning Japanese. I don't really think so. His wife, Amalia, uh, suggested the adoption of the bat as a logo after spotting a colony of fruit bats hanging in the distillery rafters. A sign of family unity, good fortune, and health to the Spanish and Cuban Taño people. Okay. Taño. Taño. Or sorry. So this that explains the bat, which I always wondered. Hmm. It's just Bats fruit are bat, awesome. And they Never prob- mind. I kept trying to translate Maso, but that's one of it's his last name. It's Bacardi Maso. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, boring. Um, thinking about the bats, they probably added something uh, on the uh, uh, microorganism side of things to those Run early to batches. Suck your rum. <laughs> the distillery was near the port and began to get a name for its high quality spirits, sailors would stop in and purchase the liquor by barrel and return each trip for refills. You think they're bringing the same barrel back? Yep. Probably. Yeah, I get, is that half price if I bring my own barrel? <laughs> or is it like uh, L8 bottles? You know, you got to you gotta take them back to the distillery to be. It's like when you get propane, you just exchange <laughs> them. Spreading the name of Bacardi. You Rome. get Bacardi and Bacardi accessories. <laughs> Around the Caribbean. To say the Bacardi family had a tumultuous relationship with both the colonial loyalists and the independent seekers of Cuba would be more than an understatement. Uh, Fundo Bacardi spent most of his life as a loyalist to the Spanish crown, uh, while his sons, born in Cuba, were champions of Cuban nationalism and independence. Boy, can't see how that's going to come uh, come out. During their teenage and adult lives, they experienced many run-ins with Spanish law, leading Facundo to actually being jailed at one point. Hmm. The family walked a fine line between being prominent business people in Cuba, where they were able to gather intel and learn the inner workings of many of the loyalists, while also supporting, from afar, the revolutionary movements. While Facundo's sons did share different views from their father, the family relationship and business still came first. I love the idea of like, no, viva la revolution. Uh, I would, uh, we still need to make a buck at the end of the day. Viva la profit. <laughs> that, that is definitely a theme in the first third of this book. Or it's Very also, so. it's also a, we can make a lot of money 
and do a lot of espionage. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, if you can play both sides against the middle, you're always going to come out ahead. <laughs> they were happy to utilize the opportunities that Spanish colonialism provided, especially when their rums were featured as Spanish products on the World mm-hmm. Showcase. But in the background, his sons would support various movements, political uprisings, and humanitarian efforts in the fight for Cuban independence. Back when the family uh, had... We are probably getting getting closer and closer to the time of yellow journalism in America where Cuban independence becomes very important. Yeah. Back when the family had moved back to Spain during the cholera epidemic... Facundo's oldest son stayed Which in Spain. one? <laughs> oldest. Oh, you mean the cholera <laughs> epidemics? Yes. Yeah, there the, the are a few. There's a lot of them about. <laughs> but only when, only the one that they, they moved back to Spain for one of them. <laughs> but, okay, real quick. Uh, uh, quick aside, there was a very, very important moment uh, in uh, my new relationship with someone as uh, I, I was driving them back to meet my family. And I started playing Eddie is her stress to kill. Yes. And uh, that when she just went, this was your, the entire day with them. Do you all <laughs> just know it by heart? And it's like, yes. Yes. Oh no. They were driving at a certain point. They looked over at me and they just went, you, are you mouthing along with what's happening? Not consciously. No. <laughs> yeah, that's about There's right. a lot of them about. Where that book is, could be anywhere. <laughs> Go to the library. Have a wild time. Wild time. Anyway, sorry. Just, just go ahead and stamp your your dress to kill bingo cards. <laughs> Does the drinking in uh, California bit right there? Yep, smoking in California. No, oh, yeah, no drinking and then no talking. <laughs> All right. Well, in Spain, he was taught through the European Romantic literature movement. Of the time. His ideas were much more worldly than those of his father, and he was a much more educated individual. It's hard to say what would have happened if the epidemic would not have struck in Cuba. Cool. Would, would the family have had such a tumultuous relationship with the Spanish colonial rule? The company continued to grow modestly. I realized I didn't, I didn't add that this is a, uh, this, this, Son's name is Emilio. That's that'll come up later. I mean, we'll talk about. It, but this is Emilio. 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 Sorry. <laughs> the company continued to grow modestly, and in 1874, Bacardi and his sons bought out their partners, reforming as Bacardi and Company. So that's why the rest of that got chopped the well, hell off. I was going to say we lost one of them. It's time to get rid of the and company. <laughs> Something tells me there might be bloodshed to drop the and company. The company was winning awards distributed across Cuba and to some places around the world. By 1877, Facundo turned the management of the company over to his three sons. Anyone else hear the music? Sorry. Actually, I just hear the thing from, uh, was, it, was it Stay Tuned? The um, where they get sucked into the TV, but all the oh. shows are evil. Oh, okay. I had nightmares about that. And uh, <laughs> when they go to the thing, it goes into my three sons, but it was my three sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, see, uh, all I was thinking of was uh, that his his sons Emilio, Estevez, and Carlos. Well, Emilio, the old, <gasps> the oldest as president, uh, Facundo Junior as master Damn blender, <laughs> and the youngest, twenty year old Jose in sales. Mm. Ah, Jose in sales, yeah. I know him. <laughs> There's always a Jose in sales. Facundo took a step back, but still played active in the business's affairs. While he was alive, the business... Whoa, whoa, we're getting ahead of things. While he was alive, the business never had the level of financial success that would afford him the luxuries of life. But it was successful. That feels like it's someone who is just like, no, no, no. Every cent goes back into the company. Mm. Sets it up for its great future, but never gets to revel in such a success. Dies dirt poor, chewing on rocks. It's like like uh, literally every artist that like, existed. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, Andy Warhol got to just revel. Okay, every artist no. prior to a certain Warhol got to wallow. Century. And I was gonna say like, he got to revel all the time. Yeah, it was. He's like a study in if you prior to the 17th century. If then, you took a good know. artist and praised them too much, and they got to just. I don't know. Sally, Salieri got to wallow. Oh, yeah. By September of 1879, Emilio... Oh, oh. Bo- oh that's you. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Look, I was Color just on code. and going. You're just going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you're bother. Do we need to put a red light now at the end of each section? Stop. It's a gif. Uh, no, right. yeah, gif of uh, Forrest Gump. The whole crowd holding it. Stop, stop Forrest, stop. All right. So by September of 1879, Emilio Bacardi, that's a great name. Do you remember? Had been fighting a quiet war with Spanish colonialism, and that would catch up with him. He was arrested and imprisoned by Spanish authorities, even as they could find no concrete charges against him. It wouldn't mustard with him? That, however, didn't matter as he was sent as he was sent to a maximum security prison and held in an almost solitary confinement state. Two months later, he was transferred to Spain to serve what ended up being a nearly four-year sentence away from his young pregnant wife and two small children. Can't believe his wife is pregnant for four years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so dur- <laughs> during the time he was in prison. This was not an indictment of how this was written. This is just me being an idiot and how I read things. No, my writing's perfectly fine. <laughs> it is. It is fantastic. It is just me occasionally going, wait, did I read that right? Uh, yeah, I, I do I the am... same thing. It's like, well, my brain interpreted that this way. That can't be correct, but that's what my brain wants. I Look, the, the, the caveat I have a lot lately is I am, after all, profoundly dumb. God. So, during the time he was in prison, the Bacardi company nearly went out of business completely. His brothers and father took up leadership, but by October of 1880, they were down to their last $260 and were sitting on $30,000 in debt and $9,000 in unsold rum. My my mind plays... I'm I'm, I'm doing some backwards math right now. (laughs) I was going to say, my mind plays this out as he gets out of uh, 
prison, comes back to the situation, looks around, just goes, yeah, let's get bombed. <laughs> and then just luck falls everything in place. Well, they right. filed bankruptcy, though, so... Oh, so I was right. They did. They <laughs> uh, <laughs> just came back, had a bitchin' party, blew all the money, and said bankruptcy. A month uh, look, la- all I'm saying is that he has uh, 194,095 pesos and 25, uh, 22, whatever the peso cents are. <laughs> right. I have no idea what that would be, actually. Uh, and in my mind, I'm just going. And then we cut to the the video clip of Michael Scott. I declare bankruptcy. So, also, I'm like 1880. Ah, oh, crap. So that that clip I have doesn't really apply. That was like. So a month later, a fire that started in a nearby warehouse spread There's to one of their distilleries. I know. It's like, where's the? It's 1850s. Everything the like, 1850s burns down. And a fire in a liquor warehouse. Oh, <laughs> the devil! You say <laughs> the Kentucky problems. Uh, but it's we start- can't keep these fuckers from burning down. <laughs> if only everyone stopped smoking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it started in a nearby warehouse, spread to one of their distilleries. That's how it works. Engulfing the equipment, the rum, and all of the records. I- I'm just picturing like the... Damn you, senora! O'Leary's eight- cow! It's the 1800s equivalent of the Heaven Hill fire, only we don't have helicopter footage of it spreading across the hillside. Uh, yeah, it seemed to be a low point in the company's history. <laughs> I was going to say, I like to think of it as like one of, and it's actually pretty close to one of the two times uh, the, uh, uh, what's the river that goes through Cleveland that caught on fire? Oh. uh, Ohio? It's not Ohio, that's Cincinnati. (laughs) Mississippi. No, Ohio is not that deep into, it's not Indiana, Casey. Um, The Potomac? No, no, it's not no. Pennsylvania. Chattanooga, is that it? That's Tennessee. No, that is. Cuyahoga, is... is that what you're thinking of? Cuyahoga, I think, is what I'm trying to think of. Cuyahoga is around the Cleveland area. Yeah. I mean, you, you say that, and I just hear Randy Newman say, Cuyahoga. When I hear Randy Newman, I think, that sizest son of a bitch. To short people got no reason to live. Jesus. You know what? I do. I do have a reason to live. Thank you very much. Okay, Mr. No, Paul Elite. We're off topic. We should have heard it the other well, it was weeks ago. Uh but WDW uh tonight had um a whole bit where they were singing or they had one of them pretend to be Randy Newman and were singing made up Randy Newman songs about the Disney parks. And there was a whole song about people pooping in line while waiting for flight that, of passage. That, that was a bit. That was a bit on TMS recently about people just like at Disney admitting, like, "Oh yeah, no, people just poop in line." Oh yeah. no, it became uh, for Rise of the Resistance, and then on Flight of Passage, there was a hallway cast members dubbed the poop hallway. I I have to ask because I live with someone who worked at Disney for a while. I need to ask him how many times do you have to deal with poops in lines? All I got to say is I guess that's what peasants had to deal with because we blew through that Rise of the Resistance line in like 
five minutes flat <laughs> and I was on the ride. You're just sitting there doing the, the, the queen wave. Uh, we just bypassed it. All. Like we literally, we saw the actual line for like a second and then we went through this little cave system and then we're on the line like, or we're yeah. on the ride. And I'm just like, okay, Chris, there are two ways to that cave system. One, you have a medical reason to have to go through that system to, to go into there. Two, you a crowd of thirty or more drunk people. You can pay. You can just pay straight. The Disney's now they're just like, give us thirty bucks, we'll let you in. <laughs> I'm just saying, you drink around the world and come over to the Magic Kingdom chanting Space Mountain. You getting on Space Mountain? They they get you on Space Mountain. They see you coming, going. Mm-mm-mm. You are not bothering our guests in line. Come with us. Be our guest. <laughs> we actually, again, back to... Put Disney your drunkards uh, to the test. We skipped uh, Space Mountain. We all kind of ducked out on that because uh, I don't think any of the kiddos were big enough for it. Uh, mm, yeah. Your kid's not big enough? I know he's four, but he's like 6'4 now, right? <laughs> Give him a minute. No, next, when we go back next year... He's got those walker jeans that makes him tall. When we go back uh, in 2025, he'll be tall enough to ride absolutely everything. I... And he will ride absolutely everything. Oh, no, he's, no, no. He's I'm DTF. Coming. He's like, let's, you just point to it. You, you want to do that? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Unless it's like... Uh, I, know, I, I know we need to get back to the topic, but mm-hmm. I am there for that. The second your child is tall enough to, second any of your children are tall enough to ride all of the rides somewhere, <laughs> I am the roller coaster buddy. <laughs> oh, someone's too doesn't like going around in circles. I'm there. Someone doesn't want to go. It's too fast. I'm there. Goes in a loop. There. Drops <laughs> from several thousand feet in the air. There. Emmett doesn't <laughs> care. He's like he's barely conscious. It's like he's like dropping. Baden, and we're like, we're getting ready to go back to the room for a break. We're like, man, do you want to go ride Big Thunder Mountain before we go back? He's like, yeah. We get yeah. there. He can't stand up. He can't stay awake. We're going through the line, and I'm just holding him. And they're like, we're sorry, but he has to stand up on his own so we can make sure he's tall enough. And I'm like, come on, buddy. You got to wake up for like two seconds. And he wakes up, huh? Uh, uh. And they're like, okay, you're good. He's like, uh, uh, and I'm carrying him. We get up to the front of the ride, and they're like, sorry, sir, you're going to put him down. <laughs> like, he's got to be, I'm like, come on, you got to stay away. He's like, uh, he's like, falling over into the barricade and all this stuff. I have to pick him up and set him into the car. And as soon as it like jolts at first, he just, uh, just shoots his arms up in the air. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> Look. Chris, the happiest my father ever was in my life was when I was tall enough to ride all the rides at King's Island. <laughs> I want to be that uncle for your children. I've got to check. I think he... I don't know. There's just, not a big height requirement I, for Beast. It's not It's not very tall. He's probably pretty close to it. The second we do that, the whole crew and their family goes to, to King's Island. Casey, <laughs> you down? <laughs> Casey, no. no. <laughs> You weren't there for uh, for Goofy's Barnstormer. All right, fair enough. Or I guess it's the great. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, sorry, we're we're back into Disney. I don't even know where we are. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Anyway, some stuff burned down because eighteen hundreds. So, yet again, Emilio's mother used her family's resources to bail out the company paying off some of the debt, but when Emilio returned to Cuba after his exile, he found a shell of what the company once was. 
a country on the brink of economic ruin, and a newly hardened resolve to build back Bacardi and free Cuba. You know what loads up guns? Rum. (laughs) Uh, Facundo, Emilio's father, once again resigned from the daily operations of the company and served more to provide advice. With the hiring of a new financial assistant at the distillery, things began to turn around. Fresh ideas and a new approach to lift the company's spirits and profits. But again, Uh, tragedy... Tragedy stuck when or struck when Emilio's wife uh, took ill with an unknown disease and passed shortly after. He was left with six young children. A year later, his father and founder of Bacardi also passed, leaving Emilio alone. Now the patriarch of the family and head of the business. I was going to say now alone with with six children and. Two brothers and their families. Yeah, good point. Leaving him alone um, with six children, giving him six sources of income. <laughs> 1800. Uh, Emilio took time to regroup and gather his thoughts. He took to depression and doubled down on his efforts for renewed Cuban independence movement via revolutionary written works. So <laughs> I just see this as a montage with that 80s 80s music only it's just him like pushing these uh six kids through like rocky style <laughs> training and he's cracking a whip behind them the whole time kids with uh uh like the the yokes around their their things <laughs> yeah. are, on yeah. fire. run up hills <laughs> exactly they have little drawn a... pictures of their father and they just like take it and they rip it down. They're like, they're six years old, but they've got a full beard. Yeah. They're pulling, pulling a cart uphill and he's just in the back cracking the whip. There's not even snow to make it easier. They're just like, it's a cart full of rum barrels. <laughs> Writes itself. Hmm. All right, well, it wasn't until he met a new woman. Uh, this is Spanish. I'm assuming it's pronounced Elvira Cape, who was also working with the movement, that he was able to come out of his slump. He married her and moved into his father and mother's old house. Emilio and his family... Elvira in picture, like the, the lady from... The one, yeah, I was trying to avoid that. Uh, Emilio and his was... family began to... French. Ah, okay. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it just makes it more difficult to think of the pronunciation. Um, She would would be wearing a black, deep cut. mm -hmm. uh, With a beehive kind of hairstyle. It's all black and... So not, but they do give a description of her her outfits, and they were very black, like (laughs) her long flowing black dresses, like that was black. And and that she would introduce horror movies to... (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Emilio and his family began to see the oppression of Cuba under Spanish rule to increase after the revolutionary's loss in the Ten Years' War. Santiago grew milita- militarized while Spanish soldiers on horseback rode day and night. Nightly curfews and restrictions on gatherings began to distinctly show the level of freedoms being taken from Cuban residents. Emilio became an intermediary for the rebellion, managing communications both within but also with outside allies, coordinating resupplies. His codename in these correspondences was uh, Fulcion, 
in honor of the Athenian general. Uh, the Bacardi Company was only able to continue operations through their political positioning, good management, and a strong network of business acquaintances, mostly because of their ties to the revolution. Even while other distilleries were closing from the lack of supplies and the turmoil from Spanish rule. In May... Huh? I was saying, this is the time when uh, part of the Spanish, uh, of the Cuban revolutionaries uh, were basically having a, if you're not with us, you're against us idea, and they were just burning all the sugar plantations. Mm. Yep. I was going to say the armed revolutionaries may have also played a part. No bit. Who were, no I, I'm willing to bet, who were stationed outside Bacardi, or not outside, probably inside Bacardi <laughs> warehouses, mm. just daring somebody I, to I, come in. I feel like if Bacardi was not on the side of the revolutionaries, we would not be talking about Bacardi today. Yeah. Uh, so in May of 1896, Emilio was in his home, having just finished writing a series of coded letters to the rebellion leaders on the front lines. When the he, Mighty Ducks came in, and oh no, he was given an bee. alert. <laughs> he was given an alert that the police chief was on his way to search the home. Uh, Georgina, a black servant who had been with Emilio's family for 30 years, asked Emilio for the letters and stuffed them into her shirt just as the police were at the door. As the police searched. Emilio's wife, Elvira, stood stoically and in a stern tone asked the police if their servant could be allowed to go to the market to prepare dinner. She was allowed to leave. Sick. Nice. <laughs> she was she was heard under uttering under her breath as she went out. Fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And they said, I'm sorry, ma'am. She said, snitches get stitches. Stitches. <laughs> The revolutionaries came out of the bushes and it turned into like a St. Valentine's Day massacre. They come out of the bushes and they're like, I cut you so bad. You you wish I don't cut you so bad. Those are some bad roaches. I blame the schools. Just a second. Let me find. Uh, can I not? He's yeah, looking for that like, family no, guy. You clip. guys are like dead on what the book actually had. How did you know? And we're just like, man. The story Look, we, told me. When Am you I? when you study enough revolutions, you know. Yeah. At a certain point, giant cro- cockroaches come out. To... Look, I've watched enough History Channel specials about revolutions to know. Before they started voicing in them, <laughs> which is very distracting. Yeah. It should not happen. I just need the, the narrator. Mm-hmm. Just need to have people pretending that they're talking. Narrator just... kind of loosely goes over it, and then it goes silent, and then you just hear, Pow! right? That's all I need. There we go. I had to post up to uh, to the chat a uh, photo of Elvira, just so you could kind of see. Her. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, I don't think that's an accurate picture. Um, Bacardi in the long fight for Cuba. She has such thin arms. It's disturbing. She has a large frame and very thin arms. They don't You can match. just imagine her saying, hey. No, that, that's the image. That, that's Elvira. <laughs> you can imagine her saying, uh, are you going to let my servant go fix me dinner? Like, that's definitely the disdain look. That she, yeah, there. her face carries the authority and everything where they'll be like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> 
it's that dowager it's that dowager mother that is very much yeah it's like she would have the cops going well we'll go do it for you (laughs) we don't want to bother her someone that doesn't have to say do you know who i am she just exudes it (laughs) comes out of every pore it's when Karens actually have the authority they think they do. <laughs> Proto Karen. Right. So Georgina, their servant, took the letters from the home and was able to secure them in another family member's home for safekeeping. She likely saved Emilio's life, but the chief of police was not letting him go free. They arrested Emilio and took him into solitary confinement for the second time in his life. Emilio's wife, ever the strong and uncommon woman she was, especially for her heir, took up the correspondence to the confusion of the generals who saw the coded message continue to come while continue to come while their contact was actually in jail. It was upon decoding the letters that they saw they had been signed with the code name Focionia, the feminized version of their previous correspondent. In 1896, after months in a Cuban prison, Emilio was once again exiled, tied below the deck of a ship bound for a Spanish prison. Elvira's home was raided several more times, and with the fate of her family unclear, she packed up her six children, along with Emilio's aging mother, and chartered a boat to Jamaica, but not before passing along the secret codes to another Santiago spy. That same year, in a country less than 100 miles from Cuba, the United States, Republican convention members convened under a Cuban flag. The fight for an independent Cuba was nearly universally supported by the Republican Party at the time. At that convention, while other issues like the switch of the U.S. from uh, gold-only-backed currency to silver also, lined lines uh, of support for Cuban independence were slipped into speeches, but even before the Republican William McKinley made it to the, to the office, the calls for support had subsided. In 1897, with the assassination of the Spanish prime minister, his replacement was more of an advocate for Spanish self-governance or Cuban self-governance. Under his urgings, negotiations began on the island. A constitution was prepared, and the war prisoners were all freed, including Emilio. During this time, Emilio made his way back to Jamaica to his wife and children, his mother having died just a few months prior. Imagine, so this is, I imagine when he gets out of prison, it being like um, the opening of like every Robin Hood movie. Like he gets out of prison to go back and find his old life is just destroyed and then he's having to track down where his family is or the surviving bits. Um, they were so after he got out of solitary confinement, they were almost in constant contact with each other, riding back and forth. Like okay. they were really like daily, they would have messages, and she would send him, um, you know, send him care packages in those couple months that he was in Cuba before they sent him over all the way over to, um, all the way back to Spain. But they were in constant contact during that time, and um, you know, I, I don't know. <sighs> I don't think there was a whole lot of like overt conversation about the, about the rebellion, but there were some definite like tie in type stuff behind it. Where they said, Viva la revolution. <laughs> but in code. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> la, yon I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to do it in pig Latin, but Spanish to pig Latin is also a very difficult yeah, combo. <laughs> Revolution pay. I don't know. It, uh, whatever. 
Um, upon seeing the weakness of the Spanish, uh, what the Spanish was not foreseeing, um, along with this disagreement with Spain that Cuba should still remain a territory, rebel leaders actually renewed their fight instead of quelling the, the kind of fight that was in them that Spain had hoped that would happen when they said, let's talk. That It is... It is sort of the selling point to everyone saying don't negotiate with terrorists <laughs> because if you look back to this exact moment in history, you go, oh, yeah, no, they realize like, oh, they're weak enough to give us concessions. Let's take this means that they're weak. Let's keep fighting. Yeah, um, th- this was a point where they were like, oh, we're we're going to fight to the death now. Um the U.S. actually saw the uprising as a danger to their assets on the island and then, mm-hmm. of course, dispatched a heavily armed cruiser, uh, the USS Maine, that went to Havana Harbor. Uh, the USS Maine, very mm. solid ship. Nothing bad ever happened to it accidentally. Never. <laughs> Just three weeks later, a mysterious explosion that sank the Maine and killed 260 U.S. soldiers let the U.S. put the blame on Spain. The blame for the Maine lies mainly on Spain. The blame does, but the actual cause of the explosion is because literally weeks after, like, after the Maine blew up and they were starting to mobilize to the Philippines and and to Cuba, a number of the exact same class of ship exploded. Yeah. Because their ammunition... And their uh, uh, their coal burning engine were right next to each other. Who could have Who could have foreseen such a? <sighs> yeah, like, they, they say like over the years they've had conflicting reports about what happened to the main. No, we know what happened to the main. It was an accident, but we gave we, but we had a pretext for war and. The country had been riled up for some time. They were bloodthirsty. (laughs) There was a lot of journalism making us very angry at the time. I've seen no fewer than three documentaries uh, growing up about this whole incident, and I think only one of them painted it in the, like, true light. All the rest were like, no, it's the Spanish. (laughs) Those were all on, like, the History Channel. But... Also, what I do love is the entire reason the main was there was so it could cause a fight. Theodore Roosevelt engineered a war so he could fight in it in the army. Yeah. As the undersecretary of the Navy. He sent a ship out there without orders from above him so it could explode so he would have a reason to get down there and start shooting people. So it was his, like, I wish a mother would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was no I wish. He was just like, this is going to happen. Theodore Roosevelt is it was every, his, is I every young... He's like, bet. Yeah, and bet. And he shifted out of, uh, the, 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 the little uh, shuffleboard map marker of ships yeah. and goes to Cuba. And they, they followed his order. He Again. was packing his bag before that ship left harbor. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just he, like, it's going down. He was calling. He was calling a weird mishmash of Ivy League rowing team members, cowboys, cowboy Indian fight, uh, Native American fighters, whatever is correct, and college professors. No, not college professors, but like 
the weirdest group of like elites and cowboys and said we are now one group because if you could get enough people into a group of group of of people you became a commissioned officer the The u.s the yeah the rough riders the u.s military worked almost entirely like the roman military and by the way this is your thinking of uh the uh roman empire for the day you realize you're just this is all the plot of jingo right yes I am aware because it's the most jingoistic war that happened. <laughs> I finally went through that whole book and I was oh, just like, so good. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. We're, we're on a Terry Pratchett rant rant and we're not going to get off of it. Just ignore us. So, uh, the issue was no longer the human rights injustices uh, or justice for Cuba. The U.S.'s honor was now damaged, and the new war cry became, remember the main to hell with Spain. So from Kingston, Jamaica, Amelia with his um, family watched as the U.S. fought the, his war with Spain, but not for his cause. The U.S. had no concern for Cuban independence or governance, only for exacting revenge on the Spanish. They did. Uh, they they thought that the Cuban people that they were ostensibly working with were below them in some way. So like they they were like storming beaches, and they were like, like oh wow, it's awful easy getting on here. These Spanish aren't anything. The Cuban revolutionaries were busy murdering every Spanish soldier on the ridge that would have tried to kill them. Sorry. The U.S. had no concern for Cuban independence or governance, only for exacting revenge on the Spanish. While the U.S. and rebels would fight the same enemy, they did not do so together. When the Cubans defeated the Spanish occupation in an area where the U.S. soldiers were to come ashore, allowing the U.S. to land 15,000 troops in one day without a shot being fired, no mention was ever made of the Cubans' role in this feat. And there you are. Um... Racism against Cubans was rampant. One of the U.S. generals said of them, they are no more capable of self-government than the savages of Africa. And that's the nice thing that I pulled from them. Oh, oh, this is this is the most racist time as we would see it in world history because they had just developed eugenics. Upon hearing of the derision from the U.S. forces, especially from his town of Santiago, Emilio was furious. He returned to his Cuban home to find his Spanish overlords had only been replaced by the U.S. But over the months, his attitude actually began to soften as he saw the efficiency at which the U.S. operated in returning Santiago to its pre-war state. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just I was going to make a dumb joke, but continue. Emilio began to see how the U.S.'s newly appointed governor, Leonard Wood, took a city, also a rough rider, took a city of 50,000 from a besieged shell of starving. I can't see there. A besieged shell of... Emilio began to see how the U.S.'s newly appointed governor, Leonard Wood, took a city of 50,000 from a besieged shell of starving and began to rebuild. Wood held the same condescending tones towards the Cubans and most other as most other Americans, but he was getting things done for Cuba. By the the way, uh, Leonard Wood, I believe, was a Confederate colonel. 
that worked for the Rough he, Riders? He was a, uh, a he was a Civil War. Civil War, yeah. I think he was a Confederate because, but I, I might be wrong. But that that he was Civil War era, and that was the actual leader of the Rough Riders because uh, he was a doctor. But yep. uh, we'll say to to Theodore Roosevelt's credit, he decided to make himself Lieutenant Colonel, not general of of the rough riders he was not in charge because he was like i have no military experience let this military doctor be the one who actually runs us <laughs> because he knows how to... yeah sorry so wood eventually learned actually of emilio and of his rum and he had heard of his reputation upon the advice of a group of santiagoans um wood he decided to use it as a disinfectant <laughs> Wood appointed Emilio to be the new mayor of Santiago, calling him one of the most talented men available. Wood said of Emilio, if that man is as good as be- at being mayor as he is at making rum, there is no one better. I feel like that's how, how most mayoral races should go. <laughs> George Washington very much agrees. Mm-hmm. So, that's so there we one. lie. Um, we're not even out of the 1800s yet. This is, this is so very tasty. Like, it's ripe with drama. Oh, mm, mm, eat it I up. didn't realize Bacardi was so tied up in the Cuban independence movement and the Spanish-American War. It is. The book is literally titled, I think, uh, Bacardi and the Long Fight for Cuba. Like, it, it is very tied into the history of, of Cuba's... and independence but also like seeing both sides of it since the father was really spanish and and the sons were truly cuban um they called them cuban pete they were the king of the rumba beat (laughs) boom chicka boom Uh, boom, on that note what are we drinking sparkling muscatel one of the finest wines of idaho Uh, would you taste it for us please haven't heard it in a while Excellent choice. Should be for 95 cents. So it's reassuring to know after going to Disney, they're not backing down on the Muppets. I I watched I watched the original Muppet movie with uh, with someone very recently. Mm. And we got to this scene and I was like, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> this is the best scene in the movie. And Steve <laughs> Martin walks in and I went, here we go. Wearing those tiny shorts. <laughs> Those tiny shorts. Oh. <laughs> so there, are, there are two fantastic scenes, and they're the latter. Well, okay, there's a lot of fantastic scenes in that movie, but Steve Martin is one of them. Yes. The, uh, one, one of the other is uh, 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 animal, giant animal popping up from the roof of a building. Like, just. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, uh, Steve Martin uh, rewatching. You know the annual rewatching of planes, trains, and automobiles. It's just mm-hmm. I can, even watching it. CMT for whatever reason has the rebroadcast rights sure. every, every Thanksgiving, and I'm just like, whatever. I guess I'll watch CMT for a day and a half. Mm-hmm. But it's just that movie's just mwah, Chef's Kiss so good. Everyone, <sighs> everyone's perfect in it. It's just I don't know. Oh. All right, so Chris, Brittany, what are you two drinking? Um, nothing fun because my stomach's still not totally cool with me right now. So uh, on to him. 
Uh, <laughs> I was well. going to say, that's why Brittany has been very, I need you guys to shut up and focus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I had a 16-ounce can of liquid meth. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, no, it's the... Uh, it's like, wait, what? Man, whatever the ultimate energy C4. I don't know. It's like 300 milligrams of caffeine because I just need, like, heroin injected directly into my scrotum now to be up past 8 o'clock. That's just how it heroin would put you out. You would need that much in, uh, bar- uh no. Straight adrenaline? Uh, no. It's not, uh, it's the opposite of barbiturates. What's the... Cocaine. I mean, it is, it is, only well, cocaine, but it's not, it, there's another word for amphetamines, isn't there, Casey? Amphetamines. Amphetamines. <laughs> okay. Man, I'm just thinking of amphetamines. Stimulants? I, uh, yeah, just maybe. stimulants. Um, so, no, when it comes to alcohol, I started off with, because I grabbed a pack of uh, Sam Adams, oops, old Fezziwig. Oops, all old Fezziwig. Oh. Their new six-packs of all old Fezziwig, because they finally, after decades of my complaints, said, oh, you actually want this in six-packs. Okay. What about, again, what about old Fezziwigs? <laughs> if only. I'm I'm waiting. Uh, but I down that. Red- don't you shake your head at me? You want that too? Uh, what I was gonna say about the Muppets? Uh, it was great to see. So when we were there, well, we got to take Emmett to the Muppet Theater, and he got to see the Muppets live, and was very much entertained with it. And the whole theater just got a revamp, so they like completely reupholstered the seats and everything. So it's like that that attraction's not going anywhere. Everyone can Does- wipe that sweat from your brow. And please don't wipe it back on the seats because they just replaced them because they were, like, black and moldy and gross. (laughs) Does that attraction have up in some sort of balcony up in, like, the top left Mm -hmm. or right a Statler and a Waldorf? Yes. Animatronic Statler and Waldorf that uh, harass. And there's an actual cast member in a giant Sweetums outfit that comes actually comes out because it's a 3D show. So mm. the only Muppets that you see live are Sweetums, and there's an animatronic uh, Statler and Waldorf and an animatronic Swedish chef with a giant cannon in the back of the theater who shows up and blows a hole in everything. Because mm. Swedish, Swedish chef, chef blows a hole? Yeah, he ain't fucking around. Okay. I would have <laughs> thought it had been uh, the Bolshevik Muppet. I can't think of his name right now, but the... You know who I'm talking about. Uh, like, with the plunger yeah. and the... No, it's not him. Surprisingly mm. enough. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it, it was very heartening to see Disney put money into the Muppets when they've just let that ride sit there for 20 years and do nothing to it. Or should yeah. not really ride. Anyway, oh. uh, after that uh, nice little old Fezziwig, I was left wanting. Uh for another old Fezziwig, but there we have so much beer in the fridge that I've not touched in, like, years at this point. I had to grab a Toppling Goliath Morning Latte Imperial Coffee Milk Stout to uh, push me through to the end. And it's almost gone, and you know, we're at the end of the show, so that was exactly what I needed. Well-timed. Uh, it's I long have... in the tooth, and I should have drank it a year ago. Yeah, fair. Uh, I've been trying to drink something a little bit fresher. Uh, I was out in 
I was outside of uh, our regular distro for alcohol oh. uh, for, for work. Uh, and whenever I am, I am traveling out. I do like if I can to stop by a liquor store and see what do they have that I can't get at least beer wise. And I was out in St. Louis. So they had hot butcher. They had a couple of other things that I might get to in, in later shows. But Hot Butcher requires faster drinking than the others. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Hot Butcher deals in uh, best fresh. Yeah. Uh, I was going to give some of you all some, but uh, I forgot both times I'd si- seen either of you. And uh, so it's probably going to go to my game night. Uh, like my, my, my stash of, here, enjoy this. But tonight, I have been drinking uh, some Orange Fly from Hot Butcher. I've had some a little bit recently. Uh, it's relatively new-ish. It's a can. I've got at least a little bit of wiggle room in this, but uh, about a month old at this point. Is that Floridian uh, Spanish fly? Orange fly? <laughs> oh, just little flies with sombreros that you put into your drink. Oh, Mrs. Bighead, No throwing they're, they're trying to sell you giant sacks of oranges mm, right. trying to tie oranges uh, into it somehow i just i just dipped i just tried to see if there was anything left in the can and it made my drink extra opaque <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, those dregs oh my god uh oh that's where all the bitter is <laughs> in fairness i i it, it's not balanced anymore but that is some of the bitterness I was wanting out of like a good IPA. Uh, but this has been a delicious uh, uh, sort of citra uh, heavy uh, double New England IPA. It's got uh, Waimea and Citra hopped and Citra hop. Casey, did I say those? Cor- I, oh, I know I say Citra right, but I say the other one right. Waimea sounds right. Okay. I think I remember the the way it's spelled. Yeah. Uh, this has been, this is, this is, uh, this was a treat. The, the two, I got two different hot butchers. This one, uh, was, was particularly delicious. The other one is also real solid, but yeah, I, I do enjoy. It's been nice to have just a little bit of something different. So yeah. Casey, have you had anything? Um, rum. I, I was say I thought I saw a bottle of rum pop up at some point. Yo ho ho. Um, yeah, plantation. I went with uh Jamaican rum because of you the have Jamaican. plantation that you didn't end up giving me. I know, right? Or us? Uh, yeah, lots more. Um, but I, it's Jamaican rum because I figured, you know, tie in. I, I think I sent you all my Cuban rum. Actually, you may actually have the Cuban rum around there somewhere. I I, um, I came close to having that tonight, but I this my beer oh, needed to be drank soon for sure. Um, but since, since they spent some time in, uh, in Jamaica, I thought would be a good, good tie in. Um, Ooh, you want to take a, because nobody was willing to go spend money on Bacardi. We're all like, nah, dog. (laughs) I thought I had a Bacardi eight year later on somewhere, but I guess I drank it all. I, I, you know what? I, I wouldn't have minded picking up a Bacardi, but I really just didn't want, I, I mean, in fairness, I didn't want to spend any extra money on, on rum when I already do have 
a decent stash of rum right mm. now. Right. <laughs> so as a little sneak peek of if we get into part two of this. Well, we will, but there eventually. is a uh, an incident where a Bacardi engineer runs into Fidel Castro at a taqueria in Mexico. <laughs> Does he smoke smoke his cigar for him before and ends up dying because of Operation Mongoose? No, no, okay. no. This may have actually been before Mongoose. When was Mongoose? Mongoose was the 80s, right? 70s, 80s, 90s? Yeah, 70s. 70s. It, it looked like uh, late 60s into 70s. Or does Castro teach him to uh, take a paper clip and completely unbend it and stick it through your cigar so you can befuddle people at your long ash stem <laughs> that is somehow hanging on? Because that's what that was a negotiating tactic. He would amaze people at how long he could get the ash to hang on the end of a cigar, Men, merely is- because he would unfold a paper clip and shove it in the end of his cigar before he started <laughs> smoking it. I was gonna say that 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 is an old like dumb magic trick with a cigarette or a cigar where you can just stick something through there. Where they weren't they wouldn't pay attention to what he was saying and they they wouldn't think and they would just be staring waiting for uh-huh. this to fall. Uh huh. And just start signing whatever they tell him to sign. <laughs> Pretty much, and they would just agree to whatever he was saying. Oh, Castro, and how willing he was to destroy the entire world in the nineteen sixties. Was it a, a pretty good mountain climber also? Yeah. I uh, do have uh, to say, we forgot in our uh, brief discussion of Disney, we didn't even mention uh, the meal and drinks we had that could fall towards this episode when we went to the Polynesian and had a full tiki dinner and got to completely envelop ourselves in the tiki life. <laughs> With complete... Uh, Whole pineapples. Getting drunk on pineapples. <laughs> Full of fruit, what's, juice, and rum. And they're just like, here, have at it. What, what's this What's this wee stuff we're talking about? Well, One the day. three of us. Uh-huh. And then we let our kids play with the tops of the pineapples. And then Ashley was like, well, I guess I have to order one because it's uneven and there's a child left without a pineapple <laughs> top. That's true. And it's like, oh, that's why. And then we all gorged ourselves on nudes and oh, and steak and chicken and shrimp and oh god, on nudes, noodles. Oh, mm. the noodles. I want some nudes right now, man. Ohana means noodles. <laughs> also, this relates to not that at all. Uh, I was trying to look up. I was like, surely this has been turned into something, right? Uh, there was in 2021. There was an article about someone, uh, one of the writers from the newsroom, uh, mm-hmm. working with some media company to turn this into a TV series, like the whole Bacardi Cuba, mm. basically mm. based on this book. And I have not seen anything else about it since. Like I've been looking up other articles, and I haven't, I haven't gotten anything recent. I will take up this cause. We need to get the Mondavi story, the Bacardi story, like right. That's our new gig. Have really. a drink productions. Yeah. Right. The stories that must be told. Well. The stories you didn't uh, know needed told. Today's story was brought to you from uh, from Casey. He wrote this uh, using sources from a book, I think. Yeah. Um, it was Bacardi and the Long Fight for Cuba by Tom Gelton. 
Gilton, Gilton, um, an NPR reporter. Ooh, so that's why it's so good, tasty. Yeah, exactly. Good sources, good stories. I'm gonna, <coughs> man. That's why I'm constantly having to tell people at work when they're going on about news and things. I'm just like, where are you getting your crap? Because they start spouting off the most, I don't know, obnoxious, false crap. And I'm just like, please, for the love of God, <laughs> go to the Associated Press or NPR. Mm-hmm. They are the most, like, non-biased sources. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> if you would like to hear more, you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on Facebook, Instagram. X, formerly Twitter, <laughs> and YouTube. I don't like it. I don't want to say it. Man, it, that's, it a, that's where a lot of people are at. From the last time we did an episode. That I, just, I literally that. just yeah. updated that. <laughs> yeah, and and afterwards I went, no, no. It has to have the proper full name of it, which is X, formerly Twitter. Parentheses, formerly Twitter, in parentheses. I will not call had... them X's. They're tweets. I will never call them X's. Yeah, I am. I am. I am like this close at any given moment to like jumping off that platform. So I uh, thought the same thing. And there's a great video from uh, Adam Conover about how, yeah, like he's the worst person in the world and has basically ruined Twitter. But it's like Twitter is literally like the equalizer. Like it is the place where everyone had an equal say in anything. And it was truly like terrorists win. It was the public space. It was the public forum. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we just have to like keep it as like owned by the public. It's like it has to be taken away from him and protected at this point. He's like, because everyone's tried to replicate it and they can't. It's the closest thing to a global public forum as we've ever seen. You can keep it. (laughs) Well, of course, I said that before he was around. That's true. He's the one who told me to get on it. Uh, you could tell us you have a drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address, feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, or use the feedback page on the website. Uh, or you can, uh, you know, look deep into your mirror, say, have a drink show three times, <laughs> and the three of us will appear behind you and tell you, you're not sober now. This is a hallucination. You're tripping balls. Oh, drink man. some water. <laughs> yeah. That's in fairness, Brittany will be the one that would lean and go, go drink some water. No, that's me. I am hydro homie. <laughs> he tells me that literally nope. all the time. Every day she's <laughs> like, I don't feel great. And I was like, because you need some water. <laughs> and then I'm like, I will actually hit you with something. And then I'm at What work. I will tell you is to not eat a cold sausage when you're drunk. And I'm at work and I go. You know, I don't feel great. My boss is like, because you need some salts, because you've watered your blood down. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're not wrong. <laughs> Turns out you can have too much water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all joking and fun aside, we'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Look, and drink some, water. No sponsorship, but hook some liquid IV in there just occasionally, you know, so you're getting something else. Yeah. Uh, also, you, I, I updated this. Rondo, about, it's what plants crave. You could dump liquid IV into your beer. Hydrate while you drink beer. Awesome. Don't do it. I don't think that's. Yeah. Oh, uh, make a mixer out of it. Oh, we've got to try that. <gasps> no, 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 no. Hear me out. Soju <laughs> drinks like we did before. Just do the Sprite, Popsicle, Soju, and then dump a liquid IV in it. Come on, come on. Someone, anyone, it'll work. Anyone with me on this? Nope. 
I'm your Huckleberry. Barry. <laughs> so I put on here like to check us out another couple of weeks, and I'm like, wait, it's December. Yeah, we What's were our never... game plan here? <laughs> we'll, we'll finish up our year of Saki next year. I will say that. Yes, uh, mm. the, the year of Saki extending into next year because things got complicated with the end of this year. As they mm. tend to do. When, once October, end, actually, once September hits, it's all just end of the fiscal year. Yeah. yeah. What's doesn't Apple have like the weird fiscal year? And I'm like, yeah, everyone has a weird fiscal that. year. It's just what you decide is the end of your year. The fiscal year just ruined us. Let's just say that. And it uh... join us for Chinese New Year. Um, <laughs> you're the dragon, everybody. Come on, yeah. let's get on board. Uh, I do have to say. Real quick before we go, the fantastic thing uh, was uh, <laughs> uh, Disney Japan celebrating the Chinese New Year with <clears throat> Winnie the Pooh stuffed animals in a dragon <clears throat> costume. Applause. Applause uh, for that, guys. With, with uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh saying, Nan King was an inside job. It's just uh, the fact that the, oh. they have the social consciousness to be like, yeah, we celebrate the Chinese New Year, but we're going to make fun of them at the same time. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll, maybe we can just post some some socially things or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Patreon somehow still exists. And also, remember, we also still have the store. Uh, Haveadrinkstore.com. Uh, I think the winter stuff is up there still. So, hooray. Uh, you get the ugly Christmas sweater design. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, also, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>